Good afternoon, I'm uh, Ian McCrush of the Sunday Herald and it's my genuine privilege to introduce Anna Politkovskaya, um, a Russian journalist with the journal Novia Gazeta, uh, who has also produced this extraordinary uh, series of revelations about Russia under Vladimir Putin's regime. Now, journalism is regarded as a pretty disreputable trade uh, across here in the West. Uh, there are very few heroes around, but uh, Anya is very definitely um, in that category. Uh, not only has she fearlessly exposed what has been happening uh, in Chechnya during the recent Chechen war, uh, she has exposed the corruption of the Soviet, or rather the Russian state, because of course the Soviet empire is no more. And she has also campaigned fearlessly on behalf uh, of Russian soldiers who suffered appallingly uh, within the army, working with various mothers' groups in Russia. Now, um, Anna's book is very much um, a reporter's account of Russia. She reports what ordinary people experience in, uh, in modern Russia, and she, she uses this to gain an insight into the dynamics of that regime. Now, um, Martin Dewhurst, you may have gathered at the uh, end of the table here is uh, uh, from Glasgow University Department of Slavonic Studies and he's going to uh, translate what uh, Anya has to say because uh, my Russian is uh, non-existent. So I'm going to start simply by getting um, Anya who'd had um, a terrible experience indeed at the hands of uh, uh, elements within the regime because she was uh, in fact uh, poisoned and there was an attempt made on her life. Um, this uh, terrible experience has uh, obviously had profound effects upon her, but as you can see today, she remains um, very much the image of health. So I'd just like to ask her, first of all, if I may, just tell us what it, uh, what it costs to be uh, a serious, objective journalist in today's Russia. What is the personal cost? The first thing is that you've got to want to be an honest, truthful and bold journalist. Before answering the question more fully, I would like to uh, greet you here. I'd like to say thank you very much indeed. To arrange uh, Edinburgh to be today without rain. You've come here to hear about my country. The problems we have in our country. And which often produce a lot of tears so abundantly that it's like rain. Very many thanks to you for inviting me to come here. So now to continue answering your question about what it takes to be an objective journalist in Russia today. I'm rather cautious about using the word objectivity. I myself 
can't claim to be objective, I am subjective. Я вижу то, что происходит, и не могу с собой совладать. В этом мой субъективизм. I see what's going on, and I can't really get a complete grip on myself, and this shows in my subjectivism. И хотя сегодня в России по отношению к той же второй чеченской войне, которая идет с сентября 99 года и скоро будет шесть лет ей. Уже установились некоторые нормы ее освещения, что все это антитеррористическая операция, и что здесь укрепилась у нас Аль-Каида. Я субъективно, абсолютно уверена, что это такая война, которая как раз и привела к всплеску, к невиданному для нас всплеску терроризма. И этот мой субъективизм основан прежде всего на том, что я вижу и не видят другие граждане моего общества. The war in Chechnya, uh, the second war in Chechnya, began in September 1999, so it's soon going to uh, mark its sixth anniversary. Uh, it, it's become, in a way, a sort of norm that this war is continuing, and we've almost got used to it. And although it's called not a war, but officially an anti-terrorist operation, uh, it has, in my opinion, uh, got tied up with the Al-Qaeda movement, in the opinion of officialdom. And it's my subjective opinion that the war in Chechnya has actually led to an increase in terror. Okay. Uh, perhaps it was unfortunate of me to use the word objective because that's moved us into a, a kind of philosophical debate about the nature of, uh, of independent journalism. All I meant by that term was the extent to which, um, the extent to which you, uh, your journalism has challenged the orthodox views of the state and has also challenged um, a monopoly of uh, the means of communication which has been uh, possessed by by the state. Uh, now, I, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, labor your own personal experience, but I, I can understand a lot of people are naturally fascinated by that and what personal cost to you, what it has, what the experience has been for you of taking that challenging um, and independent political uh, line in your journalism. It, I'm not frightened. It isn't terrifying when you're not conveying the officially approved line. Uh, the point is, to be in a minority uh, isn't an accusation. Uh, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. I'm not even uh, uh, trying to challenge a widespread view or the accepted interpretation of what's going on. It's simply what I subjectively, personally, have seen and experienced. That's what I write about. Да, конечно, в России установилась система, при которой ты должен писать только то, о чем хочет, чтобы ты писал, писала администрация президента. Of course, the situation is that you're supposed now, as a journalist, not to write what you yourself experience and feel about something, but convey the picture that the presidential administration wants you to mm -hmm. present to your readers. 
Но я обязана, это их выбор, но я обязана исполнять свой журналистский долг. It's their uh, right in the presidential administration to expect journalists to write in the way that the presidential administration requires, but it's my job as a per an individual journalist to write about things as I see them and understand them. But, of course, you have to pay a price for this. I understood what you were saying. You have to pay a high price. I have paid a high price. Sometimes it practically costs you your life. So who, who tried to poison you and why? Вы знаете, я, конечно, не знаю, кто попытался меня отравить, и я думаю, что эта история такая же, как с Гангадзе, только при падении режима будет можно узнать, кто это сделал. I don't know who tried to finish me off last year, and as in the case of a Ukrainian journalist called Gongadze, we'll probably only find out the full truth as to who wanted me out of the way after the fall of the present regime, as has happened in Ukraine. Это было 1 сентября, когда uh, началась трагедия в Беслане. I understand uh, not who wanted me out of the way, but why they wanted me out of the way, because the poisoning attempt took place at the beginning of the siege of the school in Beslan. И 1 сентября каждый приличный человек в нашей стране думал о том, что он может сделать для того, чтобы помочь людям. The school year in Russia starts on the 1st of September and on that day everybody has to decide what they want to do to help. Конечно, у меня большие связи в чеченском обществе, в том числе и в среде чеченского сопротивления. Of course, I've got good connections and relations with a lot of people in Chechnya, including members of the resistance. Я была уверена, что я должна их мобилизовать с тем, чтобы заставить, принудить Масхадова явиться в школу и потребовать освобождения людей. I realized that I must mobilize all my contacts in Chechnya to persuade the then president of Chechnya, President Masakhadov, to go to the school in North Ossetia, in Bislan, and do what he could to resolve the situation peacefully. Весь день 1 сентября ушел на то, чтобы организовать этот план. I was spending the whole of September the 1st last year on taking steps to fulfill this way of settling the terrible problem by involving Chechens in the negotiations. И уже когда это план, когда мне надо было лететь в Беслан к вечеру в самолете, я получила чашку кофе, после которой примерно очень быстро, через несколько минут, то, что у нас называется, вырубилось, то есть перестала ощущать. То есть я уже была выведена из строя. Кофе не чай. 
кофе, не чай. Чай, чай. Да, не кофе, кофе, да. Right. Um, on, the on the evening of the 1st of September, I was flying down to Rostov-on-Don to be closer to the action, and on the plane I ordered a cup of tea, and uh, a few minutes later I was completely knocked out. Но мое счастье, я не считаю это ужасной трагедией по сравнению с тем, что случилось потом в Беслане. Obviously, what happened to me uh, shouldn't be considered as a terrible tragedy, especially in comparison or in contrast with the much bigger tragedy that happened in the school in Beslan. Uh, it, it's just a minor incident, a detail in the overall picture. Indeed, but it does, of course, uh, uh, show just what the stakes, um, how high the stakes are. Um, in, in Russia as, as far as independent journalism is concerned. But on this question of Chechnya, you've written a great deal on it. Um, the second Chechen war, um, why did Vladimir Putin, why do you think he was so uh, keen to prosecute that war? And what effect has that war had domestically on Russia? Я отвечу, начиная со второй части вопроса, это идеи этой войны, принципы ее и методы ее проведения уже сегодня проросли корнями во все общество, во все структуры. The results of unleashing the second Chechnya war, the idea of it, the methods used, have meant that um, terrorism has established itself throughout Russia. А если вернуться к началу, к 1999 году, то я хотела бы напомнить, что в 1999 году, когда Басаев со своим отрядом пошел на Дагестан и устроил там погром и маленькую войну в горных селах, и встал вопрос, кто отдаст приказ о фактически о начале Второй Чеченской войны, то в высшем руководстве таких не было людей, не Потому что цена окончания первой войны была очень высока. The more so because the first war uh, was ended only at a great cost and price. И тогда появился один человек, он тогда занимал должность директора ФСБ Путин, который согласился стать исполняющим обязанности премьера и открыть первую страницу этой войны, взять на себя такой указ. И так и случилось. Uh, at that time, in the autumn of 1999, there was one gentleman who was moving from his position as head of the secret police, the FSB, into taking over the job as prime minister, and it was he who decided to go ahead. К этому моменту действительно уже в самой Чечне были взросшены uh, 
кадры, такие как Басаев. Это люди, которые были абсолютно неуправляемы, и часть других командиров, так называемых полевых командиров. И они были взросшены, я сегодня в этом абсолютно не сомневаюсь, именно под крышей ФСБ, который в тот период времени и возглавлял Путин. Um, in Chechnya at that time, uh, rebel commanders like Basayev were already out of control, but they had a cover, and I'm absolutely convinced that their cover was provided by the FSB. They had protection from the secret police. The, the Russian secret police? Да, да. конечно. Yeah. Я сегодня абсолютно уверена, что, что Путин потому и согласился тогда э, принять на себя вот этот круг обязанностей, обязанности исполняющего обязанности премьер-министра, потому что это позволяло бы как бы прикрыть э, все катастрофические ошибки в деятельности директора ФСБ и самого ФСБ в период с 90 I'm absolutely convinced that uh, Mr. Putin uh, agreed to become Prime Minister at that time uh, because he was then able to cover over all the mistakes that had been made by the FSB from 1996 up till then when he, Mr. Putin himself, was the director of the FSB. Okay. A fascinating uh, insight there into, the, into that uh, second war. I just wonder if you see any parallels between um, what's happened in Russia with war in Chechnya and the spread of Islamic terrorism through Russia. If you see any parallels between that and what's happening in the West, because recently following the war in Iraq, we've had uh, the spread of terrorism through Europe and of course uh, most recently to London with the bombings on 7 мы обязаны договориться. Да. И это все равно дело ближайших лет. И чем раньше начать, тем быстрее это будет. Договориться а, с, скажем так, исламским миром. I'm absolutely convinced that during the next few years we all must, wherever we are, try to come to an agreement, to come to some understanding with the Islamic terrorists. И я абсолютно уверена, что сила действия равна силе противодействия. Откуда берутся люди, которые сегодня, именно сегодня, После всего, что произошло и у вас, и у нас, и в Америке, и где угодно, в Чечне хотят идти и воевать вместе с Басаевым.
The point is that despite all the tragedies that have happened in Chechnya, in Iraq, in America, uh, in Britain, there are still a lot of people in Chechnya who still want or now want to fight with Basayev on the side of the rebels. Uh, These are young people who six years ago were still little children. I've heard from really young people, many young people in Chechnya, that they don't want to go on living in a situation where any day they might be kidnapped, they might be victims of mop-up, uh, cleaning up operations. We just, they say, don't want to go on living in this sort of a situation. Consequently, Anna implied, uh, they're going to join the rebels. We, the Chechens, are saying we don't want to be regarded as second-class people in comparison with the occupiers. No, это точно такая же, как и я. Я тоже не хочу быть человеком второго сорта по отношению к кому-то другому. On the other hand, this applies to me as well. I don't want to feel that I'm a second-rate person in comparison with other people. Это совершенно That's why I persist in saying that we've got to talk to the other side and we've got to try to come to some sort of agreement with them. Uh, to um, embody the principles of coexistence. Turning the focus back to um, life in Russia today. Um, you, you document in the book the way in which Russia has gone from being a decrepit, uh, paternalist Soviet state to being a, a curious kind of a form of state capitalism, whereby elements of the old uh, Soviet state are being rebuilt, but being rebuilt by oligarchs, by um, uh, extremely wealthy individuals who have more or less uh, captured um, the, the wealth of, of Russia. However, you, you very vividly document the changes that, that this has meant for individuals, um, and particularly for women in Russia in the last uh, decade or so. And, and one uh, of the um, case histories that you uh, refer to is a case of Tanya, which uh, struck me as very vivid and very telling, uh, as the experience of one of your own friends, in fact. And I just wonder if you'd like to, to share that uh, here with the audience. Ну, наша жизнь складывается не из Путина, в общем-то, и его окружение. Наша жизнь ежедневная. The point is, for most people in Russia, life isn't dependent on Mr. Putin. We have our everyday cares and worries and preoccupations. Таня – это одна из действительно моих реальных подруг. Таня is genuinely a, um, a friend of mine. Которого бросил муж. Um, husband ditched her, dumped her. И надо было как-то жить. She had somehow to make ends meet. Тут появились новые условия экономической жизни. Uh, there was a new economic system coming into being. И uh, я считаю, что Таня это пример того, uh, как она использовала uh, эти новые экономические условия, чтобы не умереть. 
Tanya is a good example of somebody who took advantage of the new economic um, possibilities, opportunities, uh, to make sure that she could continue to live materially. Это uh, действительно uh, именно не умереть, потому что очень многие люди уходили полностью на дно в это время. Uh, and I mean to keep alive, because a lot of people have sunk to the bottom during the last uh, several years. She simply had to find some economic way of keeping herself um, in, in food and lodging. И uh, Таня, человек с высшим uh, университетским образованием, пошла торговать всем, что под руку попадется. Она, заработав маленький капитал, она совсем крошечный капитал, достаточный на билет до Турции и обратно. She gradually saved up enough um, initial capital uh, to take a trip to Turkey. И это такой капитал, который просто и она стала ездить в эту Турцию. And she started going uh, as a sort of shuttle trader between Moscow and Turkey. Перевозя на себе по полцентнера uh, товара просто на себе, как и шаг. She carried about half a hundred, uh, hundred weight of goods back to Russia with her. Uh, ради того, чтобы заработать еще немножечко больше денег. So as to acquire a little bit more um, initial starting capital and then go back again to Turkey to stock up and come back with another half hundredweight of goods. Это типичное представительство наших, представительницы наших российских женщин. Uh, she is a typical representative of post-Soviet Russian women которые имеют фантастическую способность к выживанию в таких условиях, в которых выжить невозможно. Сейчас я не могу сказать, что это, это она не олигарх, она совсем не олигарх, но но она имеет молодого любовника. Она имеет какие-то деньги. She's got some spare cash. Она абсолютно аполитична. She has no interest whatsoever in politics. Uh, она вырастила сыновей, дала им образование. She's brought up her own sons and given them a good education. И uh, как это у нас принято говорить, кормит свою свекровь красной икрой. And as we say it in Russian, she's even able to provide her father-in-law with nice fresh caviar. Я очень рада за нее. And I'm, I'm very glad for her sake. Oh, no doubt that's the kind of story that had made the free market ideologues. Uh, who were responsible for the shock therapy, the introduction of capitalism, almost overnight in 1991. That's the kind of story they would have liked to have heard. However, that's not really the experience of um, the vast majority in Russia, is it? And what kind of situation do they experience um, 15 years after the collapse of communism? 
абсолютно с вами согласна. Это исключение. You're absolutely right, uh, yeah. Ian. Uh, the story we've just heard uh, is an exception to the general rule. Это потребовало очень больших десятилетия жизни. It required uh, great efforts over a ten-year period. И в общем безысходной жизни. Uh, out of what would have appear to be an absolute uh, a dead end uh, from which there was no way out but she got out but she's an exception uh, moreover what she's been engaged in are not spiritual searches or quests but simply material uh, matters. The point is, in the Soviet Union, we were all told that we were supposed to devote ourselves to higher spiritual matters, not to the gritty-nitty of day-to-day -day life. Сегодня, когда говорят, что российские люди не очень-то социально активны. It's often said today that, so, uh, that uh, most uh, Russian people are not engaged actively in social affairs. Их невозможно вызвать на демонстрацию. For instance, you can't even get them to go out and demonstrate against something or other. Это абсолютная правда. This is absolutely correct. Но у большинства за плечами теперь уже 15-летний путь тяжелейшего выживания. But what we should bear in mind is that for the absolute majority of Russian citizens, the last 15 years have required tremendous efforts just to keep going, just to keep uh, alive, to survive this period. So you mentioned oligarchs, but don't forget that the oligarchs are 0.001% of the overall population. So you shouldn't judge what's really going on by following the activities of the very small uh, percentage of the population that's well off. Millions uh, заплатили за сегодняшнее то, что хотя бы выжили, заплатили огромную цену. Это правда. Когда я спрашиваю ту же Таню сегодня, я говорю, Таня, ну вот мы хотели бы вернуться на 15-20 лет назад и пройти опять тот же путь. I sometimes see Tanya and I have asked her whether she would rather like to go back 15 or 20 years and do it all again and be 20 years younger and she said no no heaven forbid we couldn't do that again. Do you think, um, do you think uh, the majority of people in Russia uh, regret the collapse of the former paternalist communist regime? Do you think they would like to put the clock back 15 years? Of course, a lot of people would like to go back to the Soviet regime, the Soviet system. Because ours, our country is a very poor country and a lot of our people are very poor. Uh, and these people, of course, millions, dream about a system 
социального страхования. И сейчас, когда произошла так называемая льготная реформа, это и вызвало такой тяжелейший резонанс, потому что льготы были переходным, переходным неким мостиком от такой просоветской патерналистской системы. Benefit system was changed, and in-kind benefits were replaced by much smaller financial um, allocations. И люди опять оказались абсолютно. Но это те люди, это те 30-40 миллионов, которые и не могут никак себя реализовать, если мы с руками, с ногами еще как-то. У нас действительно огромная армия инвалидов. Uh, there are somewhere between 30 million and 40 million people in Russia who just have no chance and have had no chance whatsoever to make a go of it since the end of the Soviet regime. They've got no opportunities whatsoever to get on in life. And don't forget that apart from them, we also have a great many invalids in Russia, mm. people with various degrees of physical or other disabilities. They're left, really, without any support whatsoever, which the Soviet state had given them. Indeed. I just want to ask one more question before we uh, throw it open yes, to the floor, and that's really about uh, Vladimir Putin himself. Um, your enmity, very personal enmity towards um, um, Putin is very clear in your book. H however, he is, he is still um, uh, accorded great respect by leaders uh, of the Western democracies. He regarded as um, a legitimate uh, figure in forums like the, the G8, for example, of industrialized nations. Um, Tony Blair and he uh, are quite uh, on quite close terms. Do you think that, um, that the leaders in the West um, really understand what Vladimir Putin is about? what kind of a politician he is and what kind of a regime he has instituted in Russia, which, as you make clear, is anything but democratic. Я абсолютно уверена, что западные лидеры все отлично понимают. Это же не безголовые мальчики. I'm absolutely certain that Western leaders understand very well indeed Mr. Putin and Mr. Putin's system. They're, after all, not stupid little boys. It's simply convenient and advantageous for them to uh, behave towards Mr. Putin in the way they do. Просто кто-то им говорит, Путин, я держу здесь порядок. Более того, если вы любите меня, 
Я открываю вам этот рынок. I will open up the Russian market. Как произошло э, в случае большой-большой человеческой любви между господином Шредером и господином Путиным. For instance, we see this in the good relationship between the German Chancellor Schröder. Uh, lots of business opportunities for West Germany, for, for Germany uh, in Russia, which Mr. Putin, his great friend, has opened up. Ну, кто же будет обращать внимание на такие мелочи, в кавычках, как права человека? Миллионы бедных. Какие-то там внесудебные казни в Чечне, в какой-то крошечной. Зачистки целых городов и сел в других Изменение избирательной системы фактически на советскую. обращать на такие детали внимания, если тебе предлагают кусок юкоса? Я думаю, что просто западные лидеры в этом крайне цинични. И я тоже была когда-то очень наивная в начале войны, чеченской войны. Второй, Второй чеченской yeah. войны. Меня приглашали в Евросоюз, в парламентской ассамблее Совета Европы. Я говорил, не расстилайте перед ним ковровую дорожку, одумайтесь. И мне говорили, да, конечно, это ужасно. Но он берет на себя ответственность за вашу страну. Но я бы хотела сказать uh, сейчас об этом высоком рейтинге. Like in, in saying, enjoys Ведь uh, известно, что на Западе считается, ну да, это все проблемы, но такой же высокий рейтинг. People in the West say, okay, lots of things not going as they ought to in Russia, but nonetheless. Uh, Значит, его поддерживают ваши люди. На прошлой неделе у нас опубликованы результаты социологического исследования. Ну так немного смешного, может быть. Maybe this was a rather amusing sounding of public opinion. Вопрос был такой, если вы э, заработаете много-много денег, э, как вы ими распорядитесь? 
понимаете, что на этот вопрос можно ответить самым разным образом. 58% ответила, мы тут же купим недвижимость за рубежом и уедем. Mm -hmm. 58% Вот она цена, трагическая цена истинного рейтинга Путина. И его политической надутости and, этого рейтинга. Yeah, and of uh, the way that the rating is inflated. И вот он, результат этой виртуальной страны, которая путинская страна и реальная mm. страна. The point is in Russia now there are two countries. There's a virtual country, and there's the real thing. 58% не хотят в ней жить. Это трагедия. 58% under Vladimir Putin. Now we have uh, about 20 minutes or so for questions. We have two microphones at both sides of the room. If you could put your questions uh, fairly clearly and above all concisely, please, because obviously given the need for them to be translated, uh, it'll be, be very difficult if the questions are convoluted. So very short, sharp questions, please. We'll try and get around as many of you as possible, starting with this gentleman up here, then down here. What is the answer to the Chechen conflict? Independence, a federal solution, or what? Я считаю, что безусловно любви у нас уже взаимной не получится. Но сегодня после уничтожения 8 марта Масхадова уже не получится переговоры. И на этом историческом этапе, я думаю, что прибыточная задача стоит, никакой генеральной. То есть... Uh, безусловно, uh, Кадыров Рамзан – это тот, который сейчас реальный управляющий в Чечне, реальный наместник Путина в Чечне, uh, и также его контрпартнер Басаев должны быть удалены с этого поля, и только потом можно будет начинать что-то делать. Я думаю, что реальным шагом после удаления этих фигур Реальным шагом к какому-то миру, установлению мира, могут быть э, парламентские выборы э, под, э, безусловно, наблюдением международных э, каких-то персон. Э, и только после того, как соберется реальный парламент Чечни, когда легитимность его будет зафиксирована международным образом, тогда... 
можно будет говорить, что с этим парламентом можно вести какие-то переговоры. А вопрос независимость или не независимость, это будет решать чеченский народ. Я не готова что-либо здесь сказать на тот период времени, которым будет этот чеченский народ после парламентских выборов. Right. At the, uh, at the uh, present historical uh, stage, there's no chance whatsoever of any uh, negotiations leading anywhere. Consequently, we need to go through an intermediary stage, the kernel of which would be the removal of two leading figures in Chechnya, the leading uh, rebel, Basayev, and the representative of Putin in Chechnya, Mr. Kadyrov. Only after they have both been taken out of the political game uh, will it be possible to take some real steps towards peace, starting with parliamentary elections, with, of course, international observers, uh, then setting up on the basis of uh, these genuine parliamentary elections a real parliament which would be legitimated by international bodies then negotiations can resume and then the Chechens will be able after a certain period of time to vote on whether or not they want independence from Russia or not. Brilliant summary Martin, you should be a diplomat. <laughs> next, next question here please. Yes. Can you comment on the Khodorkovsky trial? What that represents about the relationship between the Kremlin and the oligarchs. And earlier on, when you were talking about the sale of Russian oil assets, perhaps I can just point out that under this, uh, under President Putin, there has been a policy of renationalizing oil assets and preventing the sale of strategic assets in Russia to non-Russian companies. So although they now enter into cooperative ventures with foreign countries, these are not being sold to, to, to America. Can you comment on the Khodorkovsky trial and how you see it in, in these terms? Uh, the downfall of one of the key uh, Russian oligarchs uh, recently. Okay. Идет, да, безусловно, идет ренационализация или денационализация. Она идет по пути такого чиновничьей олигархии, то есть все подгребается под контроль администрации президента, создаются в том числе финансово крупные, крупные финансово-промышленные группы, которыми руководят новые олигархи, которые лояльны Путину и доказали уже ему свою лояльность в проектах Путина. Конечно, я считаю, что это не то чтобы последствия процесса над Ходорковским и Юкосом, и это общая канва. Да? Может быть, процесс Ходорковского это просто стал частью этой ренационализации. 
So I think that the uh, trial of uh, Khodorkovsky ties in well with the renationalization or partial renationalization of large industries uh, who are being taken over by oligarchs, but oligarchs of a different type, bureaucratic uh, oligarchs in the presidential administration and elsewhere. In other words, it's there's a new group of uh, oligarchs who are firmly supportive of the political regime. Uh, they're loyal oligarchs who know their place and keep in their place, and they are taking over um, the industries which have been partially renationalized and turned into um, partly state run and state owned and state organized entities. Is our reversal. Next question uh, up here, Anna would like sorry, to say sorry. a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Я хотела бы сказать, что смысл этой ренационализации очень прост. Вот те отрасли подгребаются, которые дают реальные деньги, то есть сырьевые отрасли прежде всего подгребаются по администрации президента, и эти финансовые потоки позволяют держать в руках политическую власть опираясь на контроль этих финансовых потоков. Внутреннего инвестора на сегодняшний день для оппозиции не существует. Вот сегодня его больше нет. The branches that are being renationalized are mainly raw material industries which are being taken over by top-level bureaucrats in the presidential administration. They now control the major financial flows, as a result of which there's practically no internal investment in other areas, branches of the economy. Question for the lady up at the back. Given the fact that Putin's regime seems quite secure at the moment, do you have any hope that in the near future it might be replaced, and if so, by what or whom? What you're really asking, Anna, is saying is is there any chance that there'll be an orange revolution in <laughs> Russia as there was in Ukraine um к сожалению я согласна с Ходорковским он из тюрьмы некоторое время назад написал статью которая называется левый поворот и я согласна с ним что возможно коричневая революция I think that I agree with an article that Mr. Khodorkovsky recently was able to publish from his prison to the effect that the regime is likely to take a sort of left turn as a result of which there'll be not an orange revolution but a brown revolution. And of course for us this will be a very tragic revolution. This will turn out to be a real tragedy for Russia because the point is these days in Russia the greatest democratic force 
is the Russian Federation Communist Party. И левые движения к ним примыкающие. В основном это молодежные левые движения со своими штурмовыми отрядами. With the left turn, this means that various leftist organizations, youth organizations and so on can operate together with the communists and form sort of stormtroopers for a brown regime. Кстати, за написание этой статьи и ее передачу из тюрьмы Ходорковский оказался в тюрьме более жесткого содержания, как реакция власти на то, что он позволил себе такие прогнозы. Incidentally, maybe you don't know that as a result of writing this article, getting it out of prison, publishing it in a newspaper, Ходорковский was had all his privileges taken away, and he was put in a much nastier cell in prison with a large number of other prisoners. Он лишен доступа на сегодняшний день к телевидению, к газетам, к чтению газет. И он оказался, если ранее он сидел, в общем-то, с людьми, которые совершили экономические преступления, то теперь с уголовными. He's no longer able to watch any television. He's no longer got access to any newspapers. Hitherto, he'd been in a cell together with people who had committed economic crimes. Now he's in a cell with hardened criminals. Back to the future. Next question, please. My, my question, Anna, is that just before the start of the second uh, Chechen war, there were bombs that went off in Moscow, and something like 200 people were killed. Now, the Russian state blamed Chechen separatists for the bomb and used that as a pretext for restarting the Chechen war. But this has been disputed, and there are theories that suggest that actually it was the FSB that actually implemented the, the, the question, bombs please. in Moscow. So my question to you is, who bombed Moscow in, uh, in the uh, summer of 1999? As you know, there's been no real serious investigation я внутри себя уверена в том, что это взрывы, к которым причастны ФСБ, но руками was that no, no, heard? Sorry, I'm just guiding the microphone uh -huh. to the next question. Yeah. Uh, so the FSB was involved, but probably it was Chechens who done it. What do I mean by involvement of the FSB? They were very interested. They had their own interest in something like that. Беслан тоже был трагичнейшей страницей нашей истории год назад. A year ago in Beslan in North Ossetia, the occupation of the school and then the shooting of a lot of school children in there. This was also helpful to certain forces in Russia. Но все специальные службы использовали это на полную катушку, чтобы раскрутить репрессии против остальных людей. And what happened in Beslan last year was used to the hilt by all the various 
security services in Russia to clamp down on the rest of society. А Путин использует это полностью для того, чтобы растворить демократические завоевания и так немногочисленные в так называемом укреплении своей вертикали. And President Putin himself used that situation to clamp down even harder on the meager democratic gains that there had been in Russia over the last few years, clamp down even harder to strengthen what he calls his vertical ladder of, or chain of power. Okay. Well, I'm very sorry, but we have actually now run out of time. Oh, no, sorry for those many uh, who were hoping to ask questions, but unfortunately uh, yes, we, we lack time. However, the, the discussion can continue, at least in a form, because Anna will be uh, moving now to uh, the signing tent next door where you can uh, come and uh, um, perhaps have a few words while you're um, uh, getting uh, your books uh, signed. But as I said at the start, it's a very rare privilege certainly for me to have uh, had the opportunity of uh, uh, sharing this hour with you and with Anna Politskovskaya. And uh, I would like you all to please uh, thank you very much. And to Martin Dewhurst for his extraordinary <laughs> linguistic skills. <laughs> Thank you very much.